What kind of marketing should you be doing and what is marketing actually? Stay tuned. This is Thrive 1110 with Bold Care A of Bold Care Financial, guiding you toward business success and bringing clarity to personal finance. This is Thrive 1110. Welcome to Thrive 1110. This is the show where you get Bible-friendly, practical tips on business and money so you can thrive. And as you thrive, remember the Lord your God who gives you this ability to thrive and be an agent uh, of transformation in your family, in your community, and in your city. My name is Bol Kire, your host, and uh, you can catch up on previous episodes of Thrive 1110 by going on um, the chri.ca website or thrive1110.ca, that's thrive1110.ca, or you can find uh, Thrive 1110 on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and uh, most likely other um, podcast um, outlets that you, that you use. So we are continuing on this subject of marketing, which we started in the previous episode. Um, you can catch up, as I said, on that previous episode where I where I started talking about marketing on chri.co, thrive1110.ca. But um, I'm going to give you a quick summary before we we start the practical aspect of things today because um, it's important to have that um, that uh, baseline regarding um, marketing if you didn't listen to the previous episode. So there are quite a number of marketing tactics out there you can use. Um, there are several social media platforms. Uh, it seems everybody is, or, or almost everybody is on social media. So you'll hear about social media ads, posting on social media, Google ads, SEO, content marketing, etc. Um, so you'll hear all sorts of um, marketing tactics. But before you jump in and start doing any of them, or maybe if you are already doing some of these tactics, using them in your marketing, you just want to make sure that you have a marketing plan. Um, it's important because without a plan, which, which actually allows you to pick and measure the right types of tactics for you, um, measure actually the ones and, and implement the ones that give you the best return on investment, you're just doing things um, the way everybody tells you to uh, or everybody tells you you should do um, without regards of who you are, who you are wired to be and what you are offering and who you are offering into. So it's important that regardless of um, um, the marketing tactic that you're trying to use or that you've been using, that you consider having that inside of a plan. So maybe taking a step back and, and, and thinking, well, what is my marketing plan here? So that according to your marketing plan, you can pick and choose the tactics, or the combination of tactics that will really work best to um, give you the best results, to increase your bottom line. Um, so the point of all of that is you should be able to answer. You should be able to answer this question. What is your marketing strategy and how do you know that what you're doing is effective for your bottom line? Let me ask this again. Um, what is your marketing strategy? And how do you know that what you're doing is effective for your bottom line? And by bottom line here, I don't mean 
uh, the number of website visits or the number of uh, likes or comments on social media, um, etc., etc. That's or even the number of responses by, by, by all means. Uh, by bottom line, I really mean the end result. So what you're out there doing in your business or in your ministry, um, at, in your church, in your charity, nonprofit, etc., what is your bottom line? So uh, first, you really need to have a clear understanding what that bottom line is and make sure that you can answer that question as to what strategy you are using and how you can confidently say it's effective at you reaching and increasing your bottom line, effective at helping you win in whatever your calling is out there. Um, so I know that some of us actually fail to take marketing that seriously because we don't realize that it is spiritual. We think it's just a secular thing to make money, get clients, and if we're religious, uh, these things don't seem to be a good enough of a motivation for us to do marketing. But let me just shift that and suggest to you that marketing is spiritual. Because even though you won't necessarily see it spelled out in the Bible with a definition, um, God himself did marketing. The disciples applied marketing Paul, the Apostle Paul, did marketing. John the Baptist did marketing. So marketing is simply connecting and communicating effectively to people you're called to serve and communicating what you have to offer. It's, it's about establishing meaningful connections and communications that can't be ignored to the people you're targeting, so those you're called to serve or impact. Um, so you're communicating about what you're called to offer them, what you do. And um, if, um, if you don't know what you're called to do, then that's where you need to start. Forget marketing. So if you know you are doing God's work through your business, your ministry, your church, your job, whatever you're doing, then leaving that out, leaving that out, whatever you're doing, is your calling. And that's spiritual. And if it is spiritual, it means you have a spiritual responsibility to do it well, to do whatever you're doing well. And it means establishing meaningful connections and communications with the people, those very people you are served, you're called to serve and impact, um, it means that. And doing that is going to be fun fundamental, foundational, if you want to be successful in what God has called you to do. So, you see, Jesus was so effective with marketing that more than 2,000 years later, people are still buying into what he had to offer. Think about that for a moment. Jesus was so effective as a marketer. And um, I'm sorry if that term applied to Jesus makes you feel uncomfortable, but I invite you to think of it a little bit more. Jesus was so effective 
as a marketer. And as a marketer, I simply mean um, the definition I gave you earlier, which is establishing meaningful connections and communications that can't be ignored with the people you are called to serve or impact about what you offer. As simple as that. So he was so effective, Jesus, that today people are still buying into it. Today, more than 2,000 years later. His bottom line is still increasing today. That is, um, the message of complete salvation, the kingdom he offered, is still expanding over 2,000 years later. So, um, in the coming uh, minutes, I'd like to start diving into some of the principles that we can learn from what Jesus did, which we can apply in crafting an effective marketing strategy. So that takes us to our, our Let's Get Practical section. Bold. Let's get practical. I would suggest the very first principle that we can draw from what Jesus did as marketing. That is, as um, he established meaningful communication um, uh, connections and communications that could not be ignored. What is the first principle that Jesus used in marketing is Jesus met people where they were at in their journey. As simple as that. Jesus met people where they were at in their journey. And so you should do the same. What do I mean by this when I say Jesus met people where they were at in their journey? I simply mean that Jesus knew what were the concerns, the questions, the motivations, the triggers, the beliefs, the doubts that people had, people he encountered. He knew exactly where they were at in life, what they wanted, what mattered deeply inside of them. And that's exactly what he addressed when he encountered them. That's exactly where he met them. He actually knew how to, how to touch the target in them, how to touch the target within these people he met, he encountered. He was able to put the finger exactly where the need was. And in doing so, he just could not be ignored. He could be rejected. That was one option people had, or he could be received. It's another option people had, but he could not be ignored. Everybody knew Jesus, meaning his, his, what he was going about doing could not be ignored. So either people rejected him or received him, accepted him, but he just couldn't be ignored. ignored. So my question for you with this first um, this first principle that we can draw out of Jesus' example is, do you know where the people you're trying to serve or impact, do you know where these people are in their journey, in their life journey, in their business journey, whatever it is, do you know where they are at in their journey? Do you know what their concerns are? What are their doubts? What are their fears? Do you know what are their hopes, their, their motives, their motivations? And if you know that, if you say, yes, Bold, I, I know that, can you clearly articulate that? Can you clearly spell that out? Write that down. If you can, just 
take a piece of paper as soon as you can and write that down. If you know what the concerns of these people you are called, and that is the key term there, these people you are called to serve, whether it is through your business, through your job as an employee, um, as a minister in the church, in a charity, in a nonprofit, do you know what the concerns are? Not what you think their concerns are, but do you actually know what their real concerns are of those people you're called to serve or impact? What their doubts are. Not what you think their doubts are, but what their actual doubts are, what their reality is, what their fears are, what their hopes are, their dreams. Now, let me give you a few examples from the Bible and, and come back to you. <laughs> so, when I say Jesus met people exactly where they were at in life, and that should be a cue for us for our marketing strategies. Uh, let me take the example of uh, when Jesus meets Zacchaeus. That's in Luke 19. You can read that story in Luke 19. And it tells us in that chapter that Zacchaeus is, um, is a man who um, actually so badly wanted to see Jesus. So Jesus was like going about doing his stuff. He was coming in the area, um, passing by whatever he wanted to do, going through there. And Zacchaeus learned that Jesus was, was, was there, was around. So Zacchaeus wanted so bad. He, he, has, he has heard about Jesus before and, and he wanted so badly to see that man. But he was short, so he climbed on the tree because that would give him a better, a better perspective, a better, a better vantage point to see Jesus. So he climbs on the tree to see Jesus. Now, how many short men would you think were in Israel at that time? I'm pretty sure Zacchaeus was not the only short guy. But he was the one that so badly wanted to see Jesus that he would climb on the tree. Uh, to see him just like a child, he would climb on the tree to be able to see Jesus. Because obviously Jesus was popular and there was a crowd surrounding him. So um, he couldn't see him because he was short. So he so badly wanted to see him that he climbed on the tree. And when you read in Luke 19, it also tells you that Zacchaeus was the chief tax collector in that area. And what it means to be the chief tax collector back then if you're a Jew, it, it simply means that you are hated. You are hated by your fellow um, citizens, your fellow uh, uh, Jews. You are at odds with them. And you're certainly not a friend of the religious people, of the religious who is who in, in the town. Uh, so Zacchaeus was a rejected guy. He felt rejection. But you see, this guy was kind of uh, uh, trapped inside of himself because he was entangled with this um, um, lifestyle of, of, of being a tax collector, but not any tax collector, being the chief tax collector, meaning he was cheating people. So he was entangled in this type of lifestyle, um, which made him suffer rejection from the fellow Jews, from the um, religious leadership. Um, but he himself was a Jew, so which means... He, he, he had this, um, he was probably torn inside of him because he himself had a Jew, was a Jew with, 
all the history that we know Jews have. So he had inside of him this longing um, of actually being right with God. And I know that if you read Luke 19, you'll see those cues in there. He had this longing of being right with God, but at the same time, he was trapped in whatever he was doing. He didn't feel worthy. He didn't feel uh, uh, um, like a man that any um, noble or respectful, um, um, respected leader would want to associate with. He was rejected. And Jesus meets him right there and tells him, Zacchaeus, come down from the tree where you are at right now because I am actually going at your place. I'm going to eat with you. I'm going to sit down with you. I'm going to your house. And in Luke 19, it says that it displeased people because people view Zacchaeus as a very sinful man because of what um, his job was and what he was doing to people. So I don't want to go into the whole thing of what a tax collector was, etc. But suffice to say that Zacchaeus was a man deep inside himself that was rejected, torn, didn't feel worthy of um, of being uh, with the elite in his um, uh, among his fellow Jews. And yet, this is Jesus, a respected rabbi at the time, a respected leader, teacher at the time, spotting him and saying, "Hey." I want to be with you. It's like Jesus saying to him, I see your longing. I see your heart. I see you. And I, Jesus, don't reject you like the other rabbis do. I don't judge you that way. I accept you to the point where I'm coming to your house and I'm going to eat with you. Talk about a meaningful connection that Jesus established there with Zacchaeus and talk about a communication that could not be ignored, neither by Zacchaeus, neither by the people who were following Jesus. Let me give you another example here um, of when Jesus encounters Nicodemus. And you can read that story in John um, 3. And we learn that Nicodemus is a religious leader. He's actually a respected religious leader, a rabbi. That means he's a teacher. He's, he's a teacher of the law. He interprets the law um, and he, he, he speaks on behalf of God in that, in that sense. So Nicodemus is that well-respected teacher, leader, and he's positively intrigued by Jesus. He sees what Jesus does. He's heard of Jesus and he's positively intrigued and he's thinking this can only be God working through this man. So because of his status in the Jewish society, he sneaks at night. He sneaks it at night to meet, to have a meeting with Jesus. He doesn't want that to happen at daylight where everybody could really see it's him. He, he, so he, he waits until it's dark and he goes to have a meeting with Jesus. And uh, now it's fascinating to see how Jesus talks with him straight, addressing the concern that Nicodemus has at that time. So Nicodemus, like I said, is a teacher. So he's naturally inclined to know what Jesus as a rabbi, as a teacher, has to teach about God, has to teach. And Jesus knowing that, 
knowing where this rabbi Nicodemus war was exactly in his life in his journey he addresses him straight and he says he actually talks to Nicodemus about um, um, coming in the kingdom of God through the new birth through being born again and right there he establishes that connection and engages in that communication with Nicodemus that will actually um, unpack uh, when you read in this chapter, John 3. Let me give you a final example today of uh, examples of how Jesus meets people where they're at exactly in their journey. And I'm going to take the example in the same book, so the book of John, this time, Chapter 4, so the following chapter, after Jesus encounters Nicodemus, he encounters the woman, the Samaritan woman at a well. So Jesus is sitting there at the well at noon, and this woman, uh, who is Samaritan, comes to draw water. And right there, Jesus establishes a meaningful connection with her by asking her to give him water. <laughs> Talk about meeting people exactly where they are at in their journey. So Jesus asks her to give him water. So he breaks a code because obviously Jews and Samaritans hate each other. They hate each other. They have nothing to do with each other. They pretend they have nothing in common. So this woman is shocked that Jesus is asking her to give him something to drink. And right, right there, Jesus captures her attention and actually tells her what she needs. He sees her coming to draw water, but he knows that beyond the physical need of water, her physical need for water, she had a need deep inside of her because she was an unsettled woman. She was living a life that was not fulfilling because of her past. So he offers to give her water that would give her life inside and out and shows her he knows her pains. That's how he meets her. He shows her he knows deep inside what she is living, how she is feeling. He knows her pain. He knows her shame. He knows her aspiration. And that kicks things off for the first woman becoming an, becoming an evangelist. <laughs> so let me ask you this. After these three examples, can you clearly articulate the need that those you are called to serve or impact have, can you do that? If you can, if you can do it now, grab a piece of paper and write it down. Or when you go home, grab a piece of paper and write it down. Because that's going to be part of your marketing strategy. Can you articulate the need of those you are called to serve or those you are called to impact? doesn't matter whether you're doing it through a business, through uh, uh, um, volunteer work, through um, a charity, a church, non-profit. 
if you are doing what you are called to do, do you know the needs of those you are called to serve? Not what you think their needs are, but what you know are their real needs. Can you articulate what their pain points are? Can you articulate what the pain points of those you are called to serve or impact are? Let me ask you this question differently. If you were an invisible guest with a superpower to hear or to read people's minds when they are going to bed at night and having thoughts in, in themselves. So if you had those superpowers of being able to read in people's mind at the time when they're going to sleep and starting to think, those things that actually delay their sleep or cause them not to sleep, those things that they um, um, speak to themselves internally, those internal dialogues that people have, if you had the ability to read that, what would you say those people you're called to serve or impact have as a dialogue? What's, what's those thoughts? What's this inner dialogue that the people you're called to impact have? Can you articulate that? Write that down as soon as you can because it's part, it's going to be part of crafting a good marketing strategy. In your marketing efforts, are you meeting people exactly where they're at in life? Are you establishing meaningful connections and communications, communications that can't be ignored? Or are you just doing what everybody else is doing because supposedly it works? I'm going to invite you, if you have questions or if you're wondering anything about your marketing strategy, about um, what, you, what you're doing as you're trying to go about fulfilling your call, your God-given call, mission. If you have questions regarding your marketing strategy, email me at bold at thrive1110.com or go to thrive1110.ca, that's thrive1110.ca and send me a message from there. If you want to know actually how you can do better marketing. Remember, this is spiritual. This is not something that is uh, uh, just secular, that people do to, just mo to, to get money or get clients. That's, what, that's not what we're talking about. Marketing is what you have to engage with. It's, it's the sum total of these activities you have to engage with if you are to be successful in the calling that God has given you. Because you have something that God has called you to offer to others, to serve others with, to impact others with. And if you're going to be successful doing that, you need marketing. And we just saw examples of that. So you can do it. So let's go and do it. It's in your hands. We'll support you. So take courage and do it. I know you can do it. We are at the end of our time today, but I want to invite you to tune in next week as we continue 
talking about marketing and as we try to unpack another principle that we can draw from what Jesus did, from uh, marketing that Jesus did, uh, from what we can read um, in the Bible. He was so effective at it that more than 2,000 years later, he is still impacting. He is still winning. So that's it for today, folks. I'm your host, Bull Kerry, and this is Thrive 1110. When honest people prosper, the whole city celebrates. Thrive 1110. To learn more or to connect with Bold, go to thrive1110.ca.